Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of the Universal Freemason Podcast. I am your host, J.T. Asher, President and Founder of the Universal Freemason Research Society, which is a nonprofit educational organization exploring and teaching Masonic philosophies to the masses as a means to improve society as we improve ourselves. The Tyler has been dismissed. This podcast is open to all that have time to listen. There are no secrets here. <laughs> all right. And thank you, everybody, uh, for joining me today. I hope you have been well and are having the time of your lives. A few things before we get started with our reading from Albert Pike's magnum opus, where, where uh, we will explore the six-degree lecture in Scottish Rite Freemasonry today, and I'm excited about that. Uh, I really love Magnum Opus, and I, I hope you've been enjoying this series as, as well as we explore uh, Pike's brilliant work with this. Uh, but before we get started, I, there's a couple of things. Uh, I'd like to thank my fellow world citizens for taking time to get vaccinated against COVID-19. Worldwide, we are no longer... Uh, you know, we're nowhere out of the woods yet. Um, but in many places, it looks like our efforts together to go out and get vaccinated uh, is indeed helping to eradicate this terrible virus. It's taken too many of our lives from us, too many family members from people. Now, I'm not sure if this is the correct path to take yet but there are some semblances of normalcy uh, going on here in the United States. It looks like um, starting to see concerts being sold out for summer. Uh, many health ordinances are being scaled back and the like. So, like I say, I hope these are the right actions. And personally, um, I'm not ready yet to fully partake in the new world that COVID has wrought. <laughs> um, you know, I have not eaten in a restaurant for over a year, for example, and I don't plan on doing so anytime soon. It's takeout for us. And, and, uh, there's been a lot of positives to that, too. There's a lot of uh, kids um, pounding on tables and crying and stuff that, um, you know, uh, don't have to listen to. So we eat at home now. Uh, matter of fact, every Friday, it's Chinese takeout day. We're really enjoying doing that. Uh, we've been doing that for the past probably three months now. So, you know, I've, I've been masking up uh, to go out to the grocery store and the like. Um, and, you know, I will go out in public. I have been going to work as well, but I'm not ready to go where other folks aren't wearing masks, like restaurants and movie theaters and things like that. Uh, and, you know, even when this virus is considered what they would say behind us, I'm still going to be very partial to wearing the mask, I think. Um, you know, there's been no colds or flus 
in our house this year. Of course, me and my wife both did have COVID in the very beginning there. But after that, with the mask wearing, um, no cold or flu. And I'm a sort of a germaphobe anyway. So uh, I think if as we go forward, uh, the, the mask is... Uh, it's going to be worn, <laughs> especially, like I say, cold and flu season, especially, or in, in groups of people. Um, the other thing that's been a positive, I think, is we haven't had to sit in uh, work meetings together anymore. It usually is a big stuffy room where there's no um, room around the table for everybody, so you're elbow to elbow. And in uh, and, and the work scenario, a lot of times people don't like each other anyway, but you end up in there together and it just becomes a mess, <laughs> you know, the energy level at an all-time low. But um, anyhow, you know, so that has been kind of a positive, in my opinion. Lodge meetings, however, it would be nice to uh, be able to get back into lodge meetings again. I will end that part of what I have to say with this. Uh, I am aware that in India right now, they're seeing some of the worst days of the COVID uh, pandemic. And uh, please know my condolences and sympathies go out to all of you there. And I hope this passes very soon for, for you all. And uh, please know that there's a lot of people who are sending positive energy and thoughts your way. And the other subject I want to touch on before our podcast proper is a subject that is important to me. Um, and I want to make sure that everyone is aware of the signs of bladder cancer. Now, in some parts of the world, such as the UK, it is Bladder Cancer Awareness Month, the month of May. And this is a disease that has taken countless lives as well and has altered the lives of many. And I am personally a survivor of bladder cancer. I'm six years cancer-free now, but I'm going to tell you it was not an easy fight. And I'll go over this with you some. I was diagnosed with bladder cancer after passing a good amount of uh, blood in my urine one day while I was at work. Now, I did have a history of kidney stones prior to that day. So seeing a small amount of blood in my urine, especially when having signs of passing kidney stones, you know, was not, un not uncommon for me. But it seemed this time it was different. I left work that day and I went to the urologist and uh, unfortunately the urologist assistant was seeing patients and the urologist himself wasn't there. When I told the assistant I was passing blood in my urine and was concerned, I had also mentioned I had a history of kidney stones and he did not seem concerned and he did send me back home on my way uh, with instructions to come back if the bleeding continued. Well, the bleeding was fairly persistent. And as I mentioned, I did not feel like uh, 
this was kidney stones this time. So I called the urologist office and insisted to see the doctor. And today, and this was a couple days after that, they got me right in. Now, when I went to the appointment, the doctor was also ready to send me home. Until I made sure he heard me say that there was, the, the bleeding has been going on for a few days and it was not just a little blood like a kidney stone. When I said that to him and made sure that he heard it, he looked a little startled. And I said, you know, your guy sent me home a couple days ago. I've been here once. He looks at me a little startled. He's like, oh, well, let's get you scoped before you go. Now, I must have looked horrified, and I was aware, doing some research before I even went to the doctor, I was aware that the, the way that they see if you have tumors in your bladder is by a device called a, a cystoscope. And um, they go in through your urethra, and this is why my horrified look. I'm like, oh, I thought this was a hospital thing. No, they do it right in a doctor's office. And when I looked horrified, he looked at me and he told me, he says, look, it wasn't, it's not as bad as it seems. Um, we numb you, you'll be in and out. It takes about five minutes, you know, so. So anyway, I got prepped and, and uh, went into the uh, part of his office that has a cystoscope machine. It actually was connected to a large, probably a good 40 inch color ultra-high-definition screen, above all things. And when I laid back and uh, we got this going and the, the camera entered my bladder, it was pretty obvious, even to me as a layperson, that there was a tumor uh, in my bladder. And if you want more details about the cystoscope and uh, things like that, I did make a... Uh, a video on that I have posted to YouTube probably it's probably about eight ten years ago now um, but you can go to YouTube my YouTube channel Universal Freemason uh, channel on YouTube and look for the title a Mason battles bladder cancer and I'll spare you most of the gory details here with that so but when the doctor found the, the tumor he scheduled me for a uh, what's called a transurethral resection of the bladder to remove the tumor uh, about a few days later. And this is an outpatient surgery where once again, there's no incision. They enter through their urethra. This time you're under anesthesia and they use what's described as an electric knife uh, to remove the tumor from the wall, the inner wall of the bladder. But the problem with bladder cancer is this. Those tumors tend to come back, and there's a very high risk of bladder cancer spreading to other parts of your body. Now, over the course of a few years, and you have to be constantly monitored for bladder cancer. When you, once you have a tumor, they remove a tumor, you're on the way back to the office three months later, sometimes a month later, Depends, you're having a cystoscope again. So, over the course of a few years, I had over 10 of those surgeries. And I also had an, an immunotherapy treatment called BCG. 
And what BCG is, it's a, uh, it's a tuberculosis virus that they, uh, once again, through the urethra, they, uh, through, um, they inject that, uh, they inject that tuberculosis virus solution into your bladder. And what they hope for is a big enough immune response from your own body to start killing those cancer cells as it fights off the, uh, uh, the, the BCG, the tuberculosis. And this is a five or six treatment ordeal. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, you wait about a week or two, if I remember this right, it's been a while. But it seemed to me like it was, it was every week. So you go one week and get first treatment, second week, another one. And this goes on for six weeks. But I will tell you by the fourth treatment, you know, your body... <laughs> goes into immunal frenzy <laughs> and i'm talking the shake you feel like you have the flu <laughs> it's a, yeah you think covid was bad this was pretty bad shakes and shivers um and by about the fourth or fifth you go home and and you have to pee like right now and it's, it burns and it's awful uh, unfortunately though uh that immunotherapy did not work for me. Another tumor did show up uh, not long after. And that was my last resort before it came time to have my bladder removed completely uh, before the cancer decided to move around my body and, and make me sicker and eventually it would kill me. And that surgery was uh, 15 hours long with a five-day hospital stay. Uh, very long recovery. Unfortunately for me, I had major complication after being released to come home. Uh, so I had to go by ambulance at about two in the morning, uh, about a week before Christmas. Um, ambulance had to come and get me and take me to the hospital for another emergency surgery to fix some things that had happened. Um, before, and once again, that added to my recovery time. But I was released on Christmas Day 2015. It took a, a good four months and a lot of uh, home nursing care to recover. Fortunately, I recovered. I didn't know if I would. Uh, it took yearly scans to ensure the cancer has been kept at bay. Uh, but I'm mostly back to normal today. I haven't had any recurrences. Um, and I'm sure the question in everyone's mind, well, with no bladder, uh, how, do you, how do you pee, right? So they make you another bladder and uh, through, for, with an, part of your intestine, you get a hole in your abdomen. It's called an ileal conduit. And you have a hole through your abdomen where a plastic bag with a uh, wax ring attaches over that that you change about once every one to three days, or excuse me, three to four days. Um, and uh, there's a uh, nozzle on that that you open a uh, quarter turn valve and you empty urine into the toilet just like that. Now it does have some advantages, you know, it sounds horrible, but the advantages to that is, is that there's no urgency to, to pee. <laughs> If you want to go to a movie, you uh, there are devices where you have a bigger bag that attaches down by your ankle, 
uh, through it, and then you, you attach a tube up on the bag that you wear, and um, so it holds a lot more urine, so you can sit through a good three-hour movie with not even budging, you know. Of course, by the end of the show, you have this big bulge around your ankle. <laughs> so, yeah, still make a beeline for the restroom, but at least you're not missing any parts of the movies, right? So, um, the same thing with sleeping. Uh, you don't have to get up in the middle of the night to uh, pee. Um, I'm sorry for the subject matter today, people, but I just want to make sure everyone's aware to be aware of the signs of bladder cancer. Um, anyway, you don't have to get up in the middle of the night to pee. You sleep with a bigger bag, empty that bag in the morning. Um, so there's some advantages to it, but yeah, uh, would I rather have my old life back? Of course, right? Um, my point is this, be aware of the signs of bladder cancer, which is blood in the urine, uh, constant urinary tract infections, and burning during urination, and uh, trouble pee going pee, or trouble urinating. Um, this is for men and women. And if you do have those signs, use your own instincts. Uh, don't let the doctor blow off your symptoms. I met another patient whose doctor did not take his symptoms seriously. And we all have this tendency to just trust the doctor. Oh, well, the doctor said it's okay. No, trust yourself. Um, if you don't feel right, insist. Doc, I think there's really a problem. You know, please get me a cystoscope. Let's look. Let's make sure. Uh, because once the cancer spreads, it's difficult to treat. And I, I met another patient whose cancer did spread because his doctor didn't take it seriously. He had the, oh, I trust my doctor thing that we all tend to have, um, and ended up, uh, I don't know what his outcome was, but he was very concerned when I met him. Um, after I had recovered from bladder cancer, I would get calls from the hospital now and again uh, to uh, go and talk to other bladder ca cancer patients and try to help them with questions they might have from a patient's perspective. So I just lost contact with him just because I got busy. Um, but he was very concerned, and I was concerned for him because, like I say, once that spreads, it's hard, really hard to, to treat. So treat it early. Uh, outcomes are much better. Be aware that um, both men and women get this. It's not a, a, it's not a uh, rare cancer by any means. Um, be brave and get help if you see any of those signs. Be your own best uh, be your own best guide. Trust your doctor a little, but trust yourself a lot. Okay, and switching gears now. Thank you for putting up with that uh, with that public service awareness announcement there. I just really I hate to see anyone go through what I went through. Fortunately, my outcome has been positive, and I just want to make sure that anyone listening to this who has any of those symptoms, please go get checked out, okay? Um, switching gears, and after a word from our sponsor, Anchor Podcast app, we will read from Albert Pike's magnum opus, exploring the sixth degree this time of Freemasonry, which is also known as Intimate Secretary. This is the Universal Freemason Podcast. I will be right back.
Okay, I am back. I am back and I welcome you back and thank you for 4,400 plays of this quaint little podcast that we have here since March of 2020. I never imagined we would have uh, such interest in this. I'm blown away and, and really I'm humbled by your interest and time you take to listen when there's so many other choices, especially in this numerous, numerous amounts of podcasts that are out there uh, these days. Uh, you choose to, to listen to this one, and uh, I, I thank you very, very much. Okay, so now let's explore magnum opus. Now, we're going to talk about the sixth degree today, and as I mentioned, the sixth degree is known as uh, intimate secretary degree. It sounds kind of salacious, doesn't it? But it isn't, but it isn't. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll read from, uh, I, I always like to check with uh, Rex Hutchins' book, A Bridge to Light, um, where Brother Hutchins breaks down the fourth through the 32nd degrees of Scottish Rite Freemasonry. And... I always appreciate his insight. And uh, Brother Hutchins explains the lessons of the sixth degree are zeal, zeal and fidelity are always rewarded. But it, to me, it, it doesn't always feel like it, does it? Um, you know, in, in my own life, and especially recently, and I've touched on things, the goings on uh, with my, where I'm employed, um, I've witnessed a lot in my lifetime, especially lately. Uh, those with the least amount of integrity seem to get the highest accolades. And seemingly, the narcissists prevail while the uh, honest person gets painted as, quote, the problem. And one person said of me, uh, explain, uh, described me as, a, quote, bad egg. Um, and we see this too often. And, of course, it's these people who have really the least integrity and are more of the problem, right? But in the Sixth Degree Lecture, Brother Pike acknowledges this. I'm sure he, this is a, this is a human trait. I'm sure he's seen it, too, back in the 1800s. <laughs> and, uh, he acknowledges this in the sixth degree, and I hope these words encourage you as they have encouraged me today. And it reads like this, from Magnum Opus, sixth degree lecture by Albert Pike. Duty, he writes, is the moral magnetism which controls and guides the true Mason's course over the tumultuous seas of life. Whether the stars of honor, reputation, and reward do or do not shine in the light of day or in the darkness of the night of trouble and adversity, in calm or storm, that unerring magnet still shows him the true course to steer and indicates with certainty where way lies the port, which not to reach involves shipwreck and dishonor. 
the lecture continues. To perform that duty, whether the performance be rewarded or unrewarded, is his sole care. And it does not matter there are no witnesses or if what he does is forever unknown to mankind. That's from the Sixth Degree Lecture Magnum Opus by Albert Pike. Very powerful words. Duty. Duty is the Mason's goal. We do our duty and we keep our integrity as Masons, no matter what's going on around us. As we learned in our last podcast, energy, which derives from the duties that we have, cannot be destroyed. Energy cannot be destroyed. When we put forth the right intentions throughout our duties in life, which is at home, at work, through our Masonic works in a lodge, or the actions we put forth as a member in our communities. When we put forth our duties with the, with the best of intentions, then we make the positive differences that is much needed in the world right now today. And we don't go around bragging about the good we do, and we don't brag about taking the tough jobs or standing up to adversity. We just do it because we know it is our duty. We know that the universal mind needs the right actions at the right time to sustain society. Our duties as Masons are very numerous, but every well-intentioned duty we perform has the same goal which is to inject truth and honor and justice into a world that often lacks most of these. Much of the time, selfishness abounds. Much of the time, self-delight abounds throughout society. And this rules the minds of the masses, just self-pleasure and self-delight. We must go forth and we must perform our duties, which is to bring goodness to the world. And I will tell you, well done, my fellow Masons. I applaud you. Those of you who have tirelessly, excuse me, perform your duties, no matter who sees it, in the dark or in the light. You knew what you were supposed to do. You did what you were supposed to do. You helped society. I applaud you for following up on these duties that you have committed to do when you took your obligations. Thank you. And with that, I will end episode six. Thank you for listening to a longer than normal episode. I try to keep these at a half hour or less. Uh, I think we're going to go a little over today. Um, I hope you go forward to perform your Masonic duties with the best of intentions. I hope that this has inspired you to do, to do just that. Uh, don't be shy to let me know what you think. At Email me at universalfreemason03 at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter 
at the letter U Freemason. You can DM me there too. Uh, you can check out the YouTube channel that I mentioned earlier. It's been dormant for a while because of the way that Google has uh, done their numbers counting there. I haven't been too happy. If you don't have a certain amount of numbers tuning in, then they... Uh, anyway, there's things that they do to you. So I'm not a numbers guy. <laughs> so with that, with Google anyway. But anyway, you can check out the YouTube channel. There are some good things on there. I just haven't produced very much there lately. Um, all right. And with that, I thank you again. This has been the Universal Freemason Podcast. Go in peace. So mote it be.